the Weekend Show with Ken Kidney. Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Weekend Show. I have the great pleasure of being joined by my brilliant co-host, Garrett. Say hello to the loyal listeners, Garrett. Alonzi! Brilliant. Yeah. I noticed, I have to point this out. In the script, you forgot to write the word brilliant. So it's just like, joined by my B co-host, Garrett. <laughs> Gar- I was reading it, it's like, why am I B? What's B? I've had, I've had 6am starts all week, Garrett. Fair it's, enough. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not easy when you're me. It's not easy being me. It's not easy being Ken. No, I've been, I've been on, uh, working early all week. It's like, do you know, when, it's, it's, it's always that scenario where when you don't need to get up, it feels like you, you, you're in bed forever. But like always when you don't want to get up, it's like, I just want to sleep. Yeah. I literally just went to sleep 10 minutes ago and now it's time to get up. Mm-hmm. Has it been seven or eight hours already? And when you need to get up, you can never sleep quite as well. I know. You it's infuriating. Do, you always do that like calculation, which keeps on adjusting itself. Yep. It's like, if I fall asleep right now, I'll get eight hours. <laughs> and you always kind of say, like, you stay up a bit later saying, oh, if I fall asleep straight away, I'll get six hours. And then you're like, uh, it's I half four in the morning and it's like down to two and a half hours. Exactly. So you don't, you don't, so like it, it keeps scaling to the point where it's just like, no, I'm going to be tired all day. So that's I, fun- I can function when I'm tired. Yeah. For the I, most part. I have to get up early tomorrow and I'm going to be tired, but I will function because I'm a, functioning machine who can survive on very little sleep yes you seem to be you seem to be able to to uh to keep going like you're like the energizer bunny yeah you like i've never seen you actually sleep <laughs> yeah it's except, just just like constantly awake yeah except like like you know when you're in that kind of post-college period where you're 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 basically have no routine in your life yeah and you're looking for a job so you're just like it's reasonable to stay up till six in the morning and then stay in bed all day. There's, there's, there's no reason to get out of bed in the morning when you're in that, in that kind of uh, slump. Yeah, it's, it's like you don't. It's not that you're depressed, but you're just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is the last time in my life I could probably get away with doing this, so why not do it as much as I can? Exactly. We have an excellent show lined up for you this week, as always, Karen. After our, our detour on sleep. We're going to kick off in just a little bit with a quick recap of the most eye-catching stories from the last week. As always, we have some fun stuff lined up for you for, to check out on the web in Netflix. As if that wasn't enough, in our final segment, we will look back on Series 9 of Doctor Who, which aired its final episode on BBC and BBC America last night. Lots in store, so stay tuned. Please do stay tuned. Yes. I wonder, does anyone listen and they, they hear, like, the, the intro? It's like, nah. Yeah. It's just like... Not for me. It's a Who episode. Who doesn't like Doctor Who? Yes. We're appealing to, like, 80 million Brits who, I think, that it's it's required they like Doctor Who. It's like part of being British. is yeah. If you don't like Doctor Who, you can't get a passport. Yeah, they just don't give it to you. Before we get to our top story this week, uh, Gar, how was your week? I meant to talk about this last week, but I forgot. So, okay, I forgot. We, we, we have to do this. Yes, uh, t- uh, two weeks ago on the 22nd? Was 22nd? Yeah, 22nd. 22nd of November, I went to see The Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses. 
which is a 70-person orchestra and choir performing music from The Legend of Zelda games. And I totally nerded out. Because it was in the, the convention centre in Dublin, which is a really nice building. I've never been in there. Yeah. It has a really cool uh, design on the front of it. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of a slopey. tilted uh, cylinder. Yeah, with like lights on it and stuff. But they, they, they held it in one of the, the conference rooms. So it, they had nice comfy chairs and every kind of uh, seat had a little desk in front of it and a, a socket so you could charge your phone. Nice. Because there's, there's hosts conventions and stuff. So they have people that need laptops and stuff. Was there free Wi-Fi? There was free Wi-Fi. That is all that matters. None of buildings have free Wi-Fi. So it's like a... Uh, didn't like the UN say it's like a basic human right now or something? It, it is. Like Wi-Fi is essential to our existence. And when you go to the three arena in Dublin, they don't have any. They don't. Which is like... Well, they have a guest Wi-Fi. I mean, I'm pretty sure you have to pay for it. Or well, if you pay, have to pay for it, Wi-Fi isn't worth it. Tell us more about your, your concert, Ken. Yes. 70 people playing Zelda music, Ken. Like on violins and harps and, and other classical instruments that I've forgotten the names of. Playing music from right across the series. Plus the, the ending crescendo. It's actually a triple encore of music from Majora's Mask topped off by Clock Town, uh, Dragon Roost Island, and then they close with Ballad of the Goddess. And I was practically weeping. Was that where you were you like totes emotion? Yeah, I was basically just sitting there on the verge of crying with goosebumps for a good two and a half hours. It should be mo- noted that uh, you dragged Brother Ed along and I'm imagining that he couldn't have been more bored. I've never seen somebody fidget more in two hours than he did during that show. He was like fidgeting and looking around and distracted and like scratching himself. It's like... <sighs> nerds yeah see like he likes to pretend that he's a nerd but he's not i confronted him about this recently that he 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 holds a steady detachment to nerd them but then he does have his super nerdy things and it's like stop trying to be cool ed stop pretending you're not a nerd but then you are a nerd but then you try not to be a nerd stop it how are we supposed to proceed and make advances as a race yes nerd them being a race if we have self-shaming nerds yeah Nerd, embrace your nerddom. Nerddom is cool. Also, 70 people playing Zelda music is cool. Was it a packed house? It was. It was pretty much sold out. There was so, a bit bit in the corner that wasn't, but other than that. Is this a, a tour that's going to be hitting other countries? Or? Yeah, it's still going. That's uh, The Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddess, the Master Quest tour is next year, so they're, they're going again. They're not coming here yet, but they're going again. Is there a website our loyal listeners can check out if they want to... There is, but I don't know what it is. Just Google Symphony of the Goddesses, you'll find it. There's also Pokemon Symphonies, which I also want to go see, because they look amazing. And there's a Final Fantasy one as well, which I also want to go see. So, Gar, links out of five? Uh, Six. Six links. Six links. So, Gar highly recommends that you go see these uh, theatrical orchestral masterpieces yes. is there any visuals or is it just uh... they, they play clips from the games to to the tempo of the music you know it kind of uh, suits the music it works that makes sense here before we move on uh because i've had an uneventful week so my my our opening this week is just me interviewing you <laughs> the things that you've done i've heard that you were on your travels uh oh yes i went to limerick for no reason limerick is is a city uh about an hour two about, hours uh, two hours it's two in the bus is it really? The way they go, it's two hours, but to ten. Uh, two. Uh, I sound correct. I thought it was about an hour and a half. It probably is if you went straight there, but you know the bus goes arseways through Charleville and Mallow and shite. Yeah, like if you're listening in America, you won't have any idea what we're talking yeah. about. But it's a city about. Uh, it is about two hours south of of Cork, where we live, which is north the, of Cork. North. That's it. Oh, we're down south, aren't we? Yes. 
Ken knows geography. his geography. I was testing you, Gar. Sure. You passed. I know north and south. Proceed with your story, Gar. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah, I was going for a job interview in Galway, which which is fine. I don't mind going to work in Galway. But there's like, oh, your interview's at four in Galway. So I was coming up from Cork like any reasonable person would on the bus. And when I got to Limerick, which is two hours into a four and uh, 420 bus ride. So about halfway through the bus ride, they called me and was like, yeah, sorry, uh, meeting cancelled. Can we reschedule for Monday? And I was like, fine. Got off the bus in Limerick, got back on the bus, came straight back down to Cork. I spent four hours in a bus on Thursday for no reason. I'm like an old person. Those, you know, those people who have the bus passes, so they just ride the bus. They're like the homeless who ride the rails, except they just ride the bus for the sake of entertaining themselves. That was me on Thursday. I just went to Limerick for no reason. I understand this company is a marketing company. Is that correct? I have an interview with them on Monday, so I shouldn't bury them too hard. <laughs> just, just curious. Have they ever heard of this new invention? It's what the kids are using. It's called Skype. Uh, yeah, apparently they haven't. They want to meet face to face, which I'm okay with. But... Skype? Skype interviews are... They're a thing. People do them all the time. I did a robot interview a few months ago. Yeah. Where they literally didn't ask me any questions. They had automated questions and they recorded my response. So... That's becoming really common, actually. Like, uh, I'm doing some recruitment training at the moment. That's the only thing that's going on. Ooh. Uh, And, yeah, we use that kind of stuff. Uh, But Skype is pretty standard for, you know... Like, I know, like, technically you live in Ireland, so it isn't inconceivable for you to go to Galway but it's still four hours like four hours of the bus and it is still as good as face to face and I, I you know I, I have it, a microphone they can yeah, hear me that stuff should be embraced I think um, it's just simpler like I should have asked it, 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 it also, like, can we do it over Skype it also casts a, a wider net if you think about it because you can kind of get people that you wouldn't normally have access to yeah but uh, enough about HR <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should do a spin off HR podcast what do we call it? The HR show? Human randomness? I don't know. I was trying to think of something witty. That In matched... human resources? Well, hey, there you go. That's our HR spin-off podcast. Coming never. Our top story this week, Gar, is the latest development in the Oscar Pistorius story. Yeah, if he, he's murder. Yeah. He's facing a minimum of 15 years in jail after his original conviction of manslaughter for killing model Reva Steenkamp. I'm, I'm proud I got that one go. Cause it's not a very complicated name. It's a bit of a mouthful. I, and when I tried to say it earlier, I totally botched it. So I'm proud of myself. <laughs> Pat on the back for Ken. Yeah, pat himself on the back. Uh, That's all that matters. The gist of the story is that uh, he had been convicted of culpable ho- homicide, but they've now upgraded to murder on appeal in the, high, in the Supreme Court. So I don't think he has many more places to go with this if he mm. wants to appeal. Is there a difference between culpable homicide and manslaughter? No, it's the same thing. But that's just their name the for manslaughter. It's what the South Africans call manslaughter. Culpable homicide sounds fancier, though, doesn't it? It does. It sounds. It almost sounds like a hangover from British colonialism. Yeah, manslaughter is a very kind of crude-sounding term. You know, it's man and slaughter put together. Yeah, but we. Uh, in fairness, a lot of people, the internet, is, like. And the thing is, like, it came out during the weekend. It's quite a big story. It's, it had dominated the headlines during the summer. Uh, last summer, I should say, because he was uh, he was in jail for nearly a year. Uh, but when it, when it was announced that he he was sentenced or he was re re uh, resentenced to murder, there wasn't much of a 
a whole blue about it. Almost like, yeah, of course, that <laughs> should have happened in the first place. Let's this not, is the natural progression of things. Let's uh, let's not pay attention to it. So he's going to have to return to court to be resentenced. Uh, um, so, uh, I mean, uh, is there a case that I know he's been resentenced now and he's going to get the book thrown at him, but was he treated differently because he's a famous person? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I don't think his case was particularly good in the first place. His case for not killing her was he thought there was an intruder yeah. in his home. And or... he shot through a closed bathroom door. Yeah. To uh uh to uh subdue Subdue the, indeed. This uh intruder with an assault rifle. As you do. And oh, this is why uh, this is why I like Ireland. We don't have guns. No, they're totally illegal here, <laughs> except in very rare circumstances. Even some of our police officers don't have guns. It's just like all they have is pepper spray. Yeah, we don't. We don't have a gun culture at all. I do not go anywhere with a fear of being shot. They don't have tasers or anything like that. But uh, th- I think you know it, it came on the back of a recent outrage when he was released from prison after only serving less than a year of his five-year sentence. Uh, to to serve out the rest of his sentence on house arrest in his uncle's mansion. Well, maybe maybe that's torture to him. Maybe the halls are like the ghosts of of of, of his crimes follow him or crime. I don't know why he committed more than one. But uh, uh, here's an interesting thing. It's nearly two years ago since the whole thing happened. Has it been that long? Valentine's Day, two thousand and thirteen. It wasn't a very romantic Valentine's Day, was it? No. <laughs> uh, well, like, there was all these stories about he he was jealous and she was going to leave him and but you know, the main the main my main argument is that like he is a, a paralympic athlete because he has no legs yes these prosthetic legs do not just pop on you can't just pop them on like your slippers and go off and shoot someone in the bathroom i assume so i don't have any but i imagine they take time so my point is in the time that you're taking to like he says he didn't know that the girlfriend wasn't in the bed next to him mm-hmm in the time that you put on your prosthetic legs and struggle to your feet, find your gun, which might be under, well, probably next to his bed, concerning what a psycho he was. Okay. Uh, how did you not notice the girlfriend wasn't there? How do you not call out and ask, to the, where is she? If you love her, like he said he did, and he was all <laughs> remorseful and stuff, air quotes, uh, surely you, your first instinct was to check if she was okay. Yeah, it's like, so if, if you're, you're in, like, say, you're, you're living with your girlfriend and this, you think someone's breaking into the house and the, your first instinct isn't immediately to turn to her and go, oh, someone's breaking in. It's like, no, shoot him down. My first instinct is to hide behind her. That's a very good strategy. But uh, he basically blew through the door uh, and then and, and he's like, oh, no, it's my girlfriend. Ken, Ken is doing hands to the face, shocked face at the moment for those who aren't in the room with us, which is everybody. Uh, state prosecutors had appealed the Supreme Court in Bloemfontein. Bloemfontein. South Africa has nice place names. Yeah, I only, Bloemfontein. I only know the name of that since uh, the 2010 World Cup. That's where everyone learned South African place names. Uh, they they basically appealed against the culpable homicide. Uh, ruling saying that the original trial judge had misinterpreted the law of dollis eventualis a latin legal phrase meaning that the act was carried out by the accused knowing that it would lead to death and the accused went through with it anyway basically you have to be responsible for the repercussions of your actions i think yeah. i did two law modules in college i know all about law now this might be slightly controversial gar but 
the the person who like uh, dealt the new decision mm-hmm. was a, a tenured white male judge. Okay. And the the judge who made the original decision was a black female judge. Okay. Do you think there is an element of like, like I think that like you know this may be I may be wrong, but this still does exist in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, racism and you know racial minorities. Do you think there was an element of 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 that in there, Gar? Am I am I imagining things? In what way? Just thinking that like oh she, you know she she's obviously made a wrong decision and oh so it's almost undermining her decision as opposed to changing the verdict based on the facts. Yeah. Okay. Because like a lot of in fairness, apparently like a lot of test there was a lot of testimony which the uh, the prosecutors were relying on, which was kind of proved to be a bit circumstantial. And one of the witnesses uh, said they heard and saw something that they could not have seen and heard. So, um, it's it, I suppose it all comes down to re- the reinterpretation of this. Uh, but it, it, like the only thing with the, it, it does give his, her family peace of mind, you know. Uh, but at the same time, it still doesn't say that he meant to kill her. Yeah. It says that his actions were certain to kill her. That's why it's murder. Yeah. It didn't. It doesn't. It didn't. It doesn't kind of. Uh, categorically say that he he did he tried it. to kill her. He he knew what he was doing. Just that yeah. he did something that resulted in murder that he knew would result in murder. Yeah. So on Thursday morning, Miss Steenkamp's mother June was watching on. Judge Eric Leach announced that the state prosecutors had upheld the original ruling. Was flawed. So there, that was I read that and I was like, what does that mean? It's like yeah. upheld, but they overturned it. But they're they're they're. Um, challenge was up Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's like, what? so I was like, I thought he said, I thought he said they sentenced him to mur- <laughs> murder. So that, uh, so they they just said it was flawed, uh, and he was guilty of murder. And um, here's a, an old quote from Judge Leach himself: "Guilty of murder with the accused having criminal intent." So I suppose he he is saying there that he does he did have the intent to kill well, her. Yeah, he had the, the intent to kill the person behind the door, and he is responsible for the repercussions of what he did. Judge Leach told the court, uh, "The matter is referred back to the trial court to consider an appropriate sentence." So it's it's possible he could get more than tw- uh, fifteen years. Um, Do they have time off and stuff? I don't know. Uh, time served. Well, it's only about a year. Yeah. Well, a year and a bit. Uh, do you think? Do you, do you think that? Um, He's going to last that 15 years? I, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I assume there, there is such thing as time off for good behaviour and the like. Yeah, which, you know, but has his uh, his celebrity lifeline run out? Because, like, you, know, you know, there are celebrities who kind of do bad things and they kind of get lenient enough sentences and then they're out after a short while and then he writes a book about it and they make a film and then he's like I'm a celebrity get me out of here or something like that <laughs> yeah the redemption tour while it's selling like, a book you know sitting in the at the confession cam going um taking confession to a different level <laughs> yeah it's like Oscar Pistorius and then like usually it says uh, blogger or or Paralympic runner boxer or Paralympic runner is like celebrity murderer <laughs> yeah, oh god <laughs> please never let us reach the stage where we actually have celebrity murderers Historius said during his trial last year that he mistook Steve Camp for an intruder when he opened fire locked the door in the cap, uh, in the bedroom toilet. So it was locked. It was a locked door. So like, could he not like knocked, knocked on the door and said like, or or like, if he was gonna like fire a sh- warning fight, shot, you know, fi- like fire at the lock, open the door and be like, I have a gun, get out. But like, 
even if it was an intruder, like the judge says this, like uh, he did not know whether the person behind the door constituted any threat or whether he was armed. Uh, it is inconceivable that a rational, rational person thought he was entitled to fire at this person with a heavy duty fire, firearm. Like, even if it was a, an intruder, what gives you the right to kill him either? Is that still well, they are intruding on your property. Yeah, I don't know what the South African law is, but we have a very strange law about intruders. I think we changed some of it. Yeah, like, but like, if, if an intruder went into your house and you attacked them, they could sue you. They can sue you. Now you're not. Now you're allowed to use re- reasonable force as long as it's not deadly. Yeah, that was a very strange law. Where but that, you... again, that's very ill ill-defined yeah where you could actually be convicted for defending your property against a, a legitimate intruder not your girlfriend in the bathroom south african legal expert llewellyn Curlewis. sounds very welsh south african people have such strange names llewellyn's, llewellyn's a welsh name isn't it there's l's yeah. and y's in there that's very welsh he stated that uh the story will stay under house arrest until his sentence sentencing which is likely to be january or february so He's going to get away with it for another while. Well, he'll be sitting in his fancy house, probably. I don't I don't imagine he's too happy at the moment. No. Uh, and like, like up until very shortly before he was sentenced, he was like all about going back to to running and all that stuff. What age is he? Uh, I, I'm not actually quite sure. If you know what age he is, you can tweet us at TWSKK or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. I guess mid to late 20s. I think so, but... Um, Which I'd imagine, even if he served half of the sentence, he could potentially be given. His career is over. Yeah, but even if he if he had even if he'd gotten away with a very lenient sentence, or no sentence, yeah, surely the IOC would not have let him compete again. Why wouldn't they? It's just a disgrace of it, I think. Uh, but he would have every right to. Yeah, but like... You say cannot it, question the, the justice system, Ken. You cannot implement your own justice afterward. It's not the way we do things. That's very benevolent of you, Gar. Yeah, if you were, so we have these systems in place for a reason. If he was not convicted, he would have every right to return to running. There we go. <laughs> what if he was convicted of, say, a state of culpable homicide? He got out in five years and wanted to compete. He had every right to. He has served his penance as judged by society, and he has a right to get on with his life. That's the that's the point of this. As society, we say you murdered this person, so you serve as punishment this amount of time in jail. To punish people afterward is to just increase their likelihood of reoffending. So he won't be winning any more gold medals. No, I don't never, think. he'll probably never run again. Or at least not no, many. If there's a gold medal for murder, he's straight <laughs> on top of that podium. <laughs> celebrity, a celebrity murder athlete. Yeah. He, uh, the mother of uh, the mother, she was quite pleased. But I'm talking about the father here, Barry Steenkamp said, "I'm satisfied with everything now. I would hope to God that all of this could have been prevented, but seeing that it has been done." Let us now all get on with her lives. And basically, uh, her mother said that uh, that justice had been done and he has to pay for what he's done and he has to accept what he has done as well. Which I don't think he ever will, to be honest. Well, he has a lot of time to think about it now, doesn't he? Pistorius' legal team said, this is, I suppose this is the crucial part, we have taken note of the judgment that has been handed down by the Supreme Court of Appeal. The legal team will study the finding and we will be guided by them in terms of options going forward. So they'll fight it till the very end. There's probably going to be an appeal now, uh, which will drag it on further. We'll probably keep him out of jail. Or should he be... I think, you know, if you're going to appeal it, he should be in jail until until it's overturned or, or something. The very least in house arrest. Uh, I don't think we've seen the last of the story, Gareth, but... No, no, we haven't. 
uh, it, I think, you know, from a personal point of view, without, without being biased, I, I personally think justice has been done. And uh, it was quite, like, even for for manslaughter, it was quite a lenient sentence, especially mm. to get released after a year. You know, and he had been known to do this stuff in the past. He, he, wow. He brandished a gun in a restaurant. Uh, he hasn't been known to murder people in the past. No, but, like, uh, fly off the handle and yeah. produce, produce guns at the slightest annoyance like he I, I can't even remember what happened he had gotten an argument with a guy in a restaurant whipped out his gun as you do apparently but now for something completely different Ken moving on yeah uh, the Turkish president uh, oh god I sh- you see you see I shouldn't have done the link because now I have to say the name go ahead uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan Erdogan sounds, sounds cool yeah that's cool close. it sounds like a talking name actually as we say it at the very least Erdogan sounds like somewhere it's like oh Rohan and Ministerth and Erdogan it sounds very Tolkien-ish yeah has been in the news uh, a lot lately and now is again but not for the reasons you might think seems a little precious about his looks he's Gollum he's Gollum yeah uh, he, he do you is... like my do you like my pun there guy yeah precious Ken is very proud of his scripting <laughs> I'm smiling right now. You he, can't see me. I'm smiling. He called me B earlier, but he's proud of his scripting. I can't remember what word I was going to put there, so I went with brilliant, okay? So, so you, it's just like, oh, B words, B words, B words. I just rolled with a card. That's live podcasting for you. Uh, a judge has asked five experts to determine whether Turkey's president, or whether comparing Turkey's president to Lord of the Rings character Gollum, should be considered an insult. I find that very interesting. Whether, yeah, it's, it's not like, oh, it's very bad to insult and defame a, a person. It's like, is calling someone, call them an insult. We have another name here, Gar. I'm going to do it for you this time. So okay. To... Bilgin, which sounds, again, sounds like a Tolkien name. It sounds like a hobbit of some sort, yeah. Bilgin Siftki. Siftsi? Siftsi. We'll go with Siftsi. We'll go with Siftsi. Appeared in court in southern Turkey on Tuesday. And he could face up to two years in, in jail for posting pictures of the slimy and scary creature juxtaposed with photos of the president on Facebook. According to his lawyer, another name, Hikran Danisman. That's that's okay, that's pronounceable. Yeah. Insulting a public figure is a crime in Turkey. That seems a very dubious law. <laughs> Imagine, because we have like boatloads of satire shows in this country. Yes. And in any country, like Trevor Noah would be in jail in America. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, Oliver Callanan. Callan? 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 Callanan. Callan. And Mario Rosenstock, they'd, they'd both be in jail for insulting public figures all the time. But, like, here there is, uh, you know, there is anti-defamation laws and people have a right to their character and their good name and all that they stuff. They also have a right to satire. Uh, but satire is a kind of a loophole because it's characterising the person and uh, also political commentary is permitted. So... Like as long as you're not making a direct accusation about the person's character, it's 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 it flies here and and it's it's and in the US you just do whatever you want because freedom of speech. There's no limit on freedom of speech. It doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution of America that you can't do this or you can't do that. We're very much like freedom of speech, but here's a few things that you can't don't do. Don't say anything stupid. Yeah, but uh, yeah, apparently freedom of speech does not exist in Turkey. Or it exists to the extent that until you talk about people in the public and then you can be arrested for it. Judge Murat Saz in the city of Aden. Again, sounds like a talking place. This is like this is like Lord of the Rings too. Is, is, is Turkey just basically like Middle Earth? It is in the middle of Earth, give or take. 
Yeah, it's like, and it's a mix of East meets West. Good God. Turkey is Middle Earth. We've cracked it, Gary. We bro, we, we've understood everything there is to understand about Tolkien. He's asked that two academics, two psychologists or behavioral scientists and a movie or television expert weigh in on the true nature of Gollum's character. Do, okay, we're, we're going to decide it right here, Ken. We're Screw those five people who are experts in their field. Two people on a podcast. Is calling someone Gollum an insult? Well, Gary, I suppose like with any kind of political uh, satire or comedy or, or, or commentary, it's, it's all about the intent for me. So... Was his intent to defame or insult the president? Was it was it was it in relation to his character motivations or his appearance? Though I think it was appearance, wasn't it? It was more related to his appearance, and I, I don't think from what I've seen of it, I've actually seen the picture and his little meme that he did. The intent was to insult the president or to to to, to demean the president. It was just to kind of hey, this is kind of a funny thing. He looks like Gollum. Yeah, <laughs> it was just an offhand comment. So if you're to look at it from a purely intent point of view, then I don't think it's it's. Uh, it's an insult. But if we're looking at the character of Gollum again, if I were to say, ha, you're Gollum, does that upset you? So Is that think, a bad thing? I think he's kind of cute. Yeah. That's just me. And if you're looking at the character, Schmeagel wasn't a bad person. Fair enough, he murdered his brother, De- or cousin Deagle, to steal the ring. But that was the ring's influence, Ken. Yeah. Schmeagel, deep down, you saw it in the film, Schmeagel was a good kind of hobbit. They didn't, don't exactly state that. They say he's like a hobbit. He was a hobbit. I don't think he was quite a hobbit because it's like you were like a hobbit sometimes. Hobbit-like person. Yeah. Small person, I suppose. But yeah, he he murdered his cousin after his cousin found the the ring in the riverbed. But it was the ring's influence again. The ring drove him mad. And even across the films, they have the slight redemption for the Smeagol half of Gollum where where he's kind of happily leading Sam and Frodo in the right direction until then he feels betrayed and tries to kill them and take the ring again. So, you know... So, uh, I suppose if you're calling someone uh, similar to Gollum, you're calling them greedy in a way, but that greed is influenced by something that controls people. So, are you calling them puppets? Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm going very yeah, deep. It's going, it's going that deep, or he's just saying, ha ha. ha, ha. <laughs> he looked like kind of a tra- bald, kind of dying troll. <laughs> yeah, that has grey skin and big eyes. <laughs> yeah. The case has been adjourned until February, February, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about this and and, and make our judgment on it. Yeah, this, this is once again we're going to do the spin-off HR podcast. We're also going to do the the spin-off motivations of the character Gollum podcast. And is it an insult to call someone Gollum? Yeah, like oh. like would it be an insult uh, to call someone Frodo? But Frodo was a hero in the end. In many ways, Frodo didn't destroy the ring, Ken. Gollum did. Yeah, Frodo tried to keep the ring. Yeah, fair enough. Gollum fell and destroyed the ring. But it was still Gollum that destroyed the ring. It was in his hand when it got destroyed. It's just like in the end of Harry Potter where he's not actually the real hero. It's Neville Longbottom all along. Yeah. So Gollum is the real hero of the Lord of the Rings films. So take that, Mr. Erdogan. You're a hero. Is that yeah. what, That's what your your fellow citizen meant. And to, to the fellow that, that's being accused, we will defend you. Yes. <laughs> this, this You can use this as evidence. And this is in no way for us to get publicity for our podcast. I've done I've done two law modules, as I said earlier. Both were business law. So I did a, I did a media law one. Yeah, media law's closer. We're, we're going to fly to Turkey and we're going to defend this man whose name I've forgotten already. Yes, hopefully we can record the segment and put it on the podcast. Moving on to our next story. Children all around the world can breathe a sigh of relief this week as the news of the demise of old St. Nick has been severely over-exaggerated. That's my news voice again. This is Charlie Bird. Ken Kidney, The Weekend Show. Cork. 
Kark. 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 <laughs> some, some Norwegian newspaper, because they're sadists and horrible human beings, uh, ran a story that Santa had died. Kids, before you freak out, Santa is not dead. He's alive and well, and he's making your toys for Christmas. He'll be in your house as scheduled on Christmas Eve. But don't try and stay up, because you he'll, won't. You won't catch. He won't come until you go to sleep. And if you do, if you do see him, he'll give you coal. And as we discussed last week, coal is a very valuable resource. So either way, you're winning. Yeah. Saint Nick passed away at the age of 226, according to the announcement in Norway's Aftenposten. Aftenposten. The hoax announcement in Aftenposten claimed that Saint Nick had died uh, in the country's most northern point, Nordkap, on December 3rd. It's right before Christmas as well. <laughs> yeah, they killed him before Christmas. It's not like in the middle of June. It's like. Ah, well, Santa only made it to 226. Yeah, this was reported by the BBC, who are a bastion of journalism as always. Oh, Ken, and Ken, the worst part, he died right before his birthday. Lame. Supposedly, his, his date of birth was given as December 12th, 1788. So he only died a little over a week before his birthday. So him and Jesus are birthday buddies. <laughs> they're both in December. And... Well, it makes sense. They both, they both have a very prominent presence in December. They got... Oddly specific with this because they revealed that his funeral would be held at the North Pole Chapel on December 28th, according to the Evening Standard. So, who's going to fit on on Christmas Day? Like, was does that does is there like is Tim Allen going to do it or? Well, Tom murdered Santa and stole his identity. That film is is not about a happy man who lives his life as Santa. That's a, that's a, a cautionary tale about identity theft. And murder. Yeah, murder and identity. Not enough people talk about that. If if. If Tim Allen can get away with murder, then anyone can. Is Oscar Pistorius Santa too? No, he's not. But he maybe could take a leaf out of Tim <laughs> Allen's book about getting away with murder. Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what newspaper does this? It's like, ah, kiddies, the thing you love is dead. It's not very clear who did it uh, or how it ended up on the obituary page. But it was a later removed from the news's, uh, the paper's website. Uh, it's the second biggest newspaper in Norway, so uh, I, I imagine a few kiddies saw it. Is this like is this what the Norwegians do? Is it just to get through the day? And and they uh, yeah they're just like, you know that thing you love? It's dead. Ha <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> so a bit German. But anyway. German yeah. uh, Scandinavian Germans are the same yeah, too. Yeah, they're all the same. They're all they all sound the same in movies. It's it's like in the Mighty Ducks where. Or is it Team Iceland team sounds like Team Iceland Germany. It's just like here's a German stereotype, but look, we're using Iceland instead. They released a statement, though, in fairness. Garrett to apologise for the incident and said it was reviewing its internal procedures. That's so Scandinavian. Yeah. Often Posten has a strict gu- guideline for both content and use of symbols in our obituaries, a spokesman told the BBC. Do we have con- content guidelines? I don't I don't know. <laughs> Do we have, is there, it's like, these are the lines we shall not cross. Santa is one of them. <laughs> This ad is a violation of these and should never have been published. We will find out what has happened. Heads will roll. Heads should roll. One of their staff members is getting cold this Christmas. And he's going to start his own newspaper with money. <laughs> yeah. Coal money is a thing, people. Coal money is a thing. Although apparently I read an article during the week that the, the world has like 1.2 metric tons. A bit million. Or million? I think so. 1.2 metric tons would be quite a, uh, quite, quite a small amount. A uh, million metric tons of coal it doesn't need. So Okay, so your whole coal was worth money theory last week is actually wrong. Well, for now, like, until we until we develop 
clean fuels and alternative energies. Or uh, or you could you could hoard it until we run out of all the rest. And then it's like, look at all this coal I have. You want some coal? Want to stay warm in winter? Kids, be good this Christmas. Get toys. <laughs> the coal theory is done. It's over. That's all the stories we have for you for this week. We'll get our fingers working over time and find some more in time for next week's episode. We will be right back in just a moment with the always popular Netflix. Stay with us. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download every Sunday at soundcloud.com slash the weekend show. Welcome back to the Weekend Show. It's time again for our famous netpicks. In case you haven't heard the show before, we have chosen some top picks from around the web to bring to your attention. First, Gar, I believe you're kicking us off again this week in line with our traditions. Yes. This week, uh, Storm Desmond has hit Ireland. I wonder where they got the name Desmond. I don't know. I always wonder where they get Storm name. Because I think they actually go through the alphabet, don't they? Yeah. Because it's like A, B, C, so it's D. But how, who chooses Desmond? Why not Derek? Or Dennis? Or David? Or Dermot? Or Dandy? Storm Dandy? That wouldn't be very into- threatening, though. <laughs> it's Storm Dandy! <laughs> It's a great time. It's a dandy time. Yeah, it has. It's been. Uh, it depends where you are, because like Bandon is super flooded, and a lot of the west coast is very badly hit. Donegal got it pretty hard, apparently. Yeah, very high rain levels, super super heavy wind, a lot of flooding. So naturally, like any reasonable television studio would, they take a, a presenter or a news person, a news anchor, and they send them out into it, Ken. Just like like hard hitting journalism. Yeah. Just to put them out amongst amongst the the pigeons, as it were, and and, and to brave the elements in order to 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 give a true reflection of of the impact of the storm. It's the authenticity again. It's the authenticity of them standing there in the rain, being belted with wind, and practically, you know, when when it's so windy that when you're facing it, it goes down your throat and you kind of choke in it a little. Yeah. That. Yeah. That that's how you get a true judge of a storm. And you can't keep your balance because it's so strong; it's knocking you over. It was crazy. Yeah, well, one of these the, these news news events went viral this week when Theresa Mannion, who was an RT news presenter, was sent out into to, 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 into the eye of the storm, if you will, and she delivered a quite frantic news report from it. Yeah, it, it, it it's uh, online. You can find it uh, on YouTube or on Facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. We posted it to our Facebook. Yeah, so if you want to check it out on our Facebook page, you can find it. Uh, it's worth watching. It's about two minutes of pure comedic gold. It's fantastic because she she starts relatively tame, you know. Oh, this is what the wind wind level is. This is the rain. This is the damage. But she kind of becomes more emotional and frantic as she goes. Like and the the very worrying part is you can see the fear in her eyes because <laughs> yeah. like she's worried about if she doesn't get this. Basically, she's trying to get the thing done so she can go back inside because she's worried about what will happen if she doesn't. And she's kind of shouting because she knows she has to shout over the wind. And, and she becomes like super emotional. It's like pleading to people to stay inside. The roads are treacherous and the people going swimming in it are absolutely idiotic. Do not go outside, I believe is what she said. <laughs> it was so brilliant. And uh, true to fashion with all viral videos... It has since been turned into a rap. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. An, is it good? An auto-tune rap. Uh, the hook or the the the, the chorus line is: "Do not go outside." <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is brilliant! So check out the video on our Facebook page and try and find the rap because it's also equally as hilarious. Yeah, it's in the rounds today. It's um, she'll have a 
a Pulitzer for this, I'd say. Yeah, I think if we have the equivalent of, of Pulitzers in this country, she should get it. Because that's, that's proper journalism. She, like, you'll see her now going into Syria next week. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Teresa, you can do the weather. Off you go into war zones. You survived the storm. Obviously, you know, you're, you're tough as nails. So you're going you're gonna to make it. What do you have for us this weekend? My first pick is a website I stumbled on during the week called Udemy. U-D-E-M-Y. And if you've ever heard of Airbnb, it's basically like the Airbnb of online courses. Okay. So it's uh, it's very much based on this kind of uh, uh, very popular idea of the sharing economy at the moment. And it's basically online co- courses which are created by instructors who are who are leaders and experts in their field. Um, it's kind of the platform. So like Airbnb provides a platform for hosts to put up their listing showcase their property and people can book it uh udemy is like is split into instructors who who use their platform and their tool to create an online course or to create uh uh an e-learning experience and then you can set your price and then people can enroll on it so um they kind of range in price from around you know you can get one for as little as 30 dollars uh they go all the way to kind of 300 400 500 like um depending on the length and uh the the fame of the person who's delivering it and basically, you access it through the website, or you can also access it by by the app on the go if you want to learn at your own pace and kind of you know to take it with you and learn learn when you can. So say you're you you have a job and you want to upskill, you just kind of take it uh, take it on the bus with you and you 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 do a little bit of your course when you're on your commute. So anything from yoga to web design, business, uh, programming, uh, you can get uh, on Udemy. You have over thirty. 2000 online courses and like a lot of these websites it's peer reviewed so anybody who takes the course reviews it you can see how many people have taken the course uh so like i have um found a few uh drawing courses which i'm trying to get back into at the moment so um i'd be interested in giving it a go um i think it's very much one of those companies we're going to be hearing about in the next few years kind of like an airbnb kind of like an etsy kind of like a a red bubble all kind of taking on the crest of this kind of sharing economy wave and i think that um that's where education is going in general like massive moving online moving online massive online courses are MOOCs. they're called MOOCs. MOOCs exactly are are a phenomenon and they're becoming ever more popular because it basically levels the playing field for people because people who don't have access to to uh, third level education can can upskill can educate themselves for an affordable price sometimes for free and uh, you know i think the the sharing of education benefits everyone and i think it's it's a really noble idea I, obviously it's a business but i think it's it could benefit people a lot in the long term the only thing is uh, the courses aren't accredited so um you know it might not benefit you in terms of you know established institutions looking for hard qualifications but you know it, it, it does provide you with the skills so Say if you needed to pass a skills test for a job interview, uh, it could help benefit you in that case. And I, I can only imagine as a crew, uh, they aim towards some kind of accreditation or some kind of recognition. And as these things become bigger, as MOOCs become big in general, I think that a lot more employers will kind of lower their kind of uh, dismissal of them. Or, it's, it's like Wikipedia. Yeah, people dismiss Wikipedia. People dismiss the internet at some point. Yeah. Uh, as, as these things become more accepted they will become more beneficial and more recognized. 
So that's Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, available at udemy.com. And in 2016, look forward to the weekend show's How to Podcast Udemy course. $600. Yes, pay us money. We will teach you how to use microphones. Gary, your second pick? Uh... I like I like a world where Batman isn't super dark. Yes. That's 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 my world. But at the same time, the, you know the sixty six film is it sixty six or sixty nine? The sixties Batman film. Sixty six. Is it sixty six? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Well done. I nailed it. I questioned myself. I shouldn't question myself. The sixty six film does descend. It's a brilliant film, but you couldn't watch six of those kind of films back to back. No. That kind of campiness would drive you into the ground. Especially when he tries to get rid of a giant bomb. By just but, holding it over his head and running around. Because <laughs> there's nowhere to drop it that won't kill people. <laughs> That's such a good film. But uh, so the happy medium, Ken, is the 90s Batman films. Not so much the early ones, even though I'm going to recommend an early one. But th- there is that bit of tongue-in-cheek and coolness to it. Without being like, I'm Batman. My parents died and now I do vigilante justice. No, I'm sad. But though I, I will say that the trailer that I dropped this week and I thought it looked a little light-hearted, which was nice. That's nice. You for Batman vs. Superman. Like, it's like, I reckon if it was one of those long, dark, slug fests, like slogs, we had to get kind of, it would feel, I, I reckon it would absolutely fail. Yeah. So, while it has to have the realism and the the, the tension and the grittiness, I think, uh, it, like, people go for that these days. Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers are proof in that pudding. That people you need that to succeed in the market these days in superhero films. As I said about something recently, I said it about Jessica Jones. You you don't ha- you can be dark. Being dark is fine. Being joyless is inexcusable. Yeah. And and some of these things go down the joyless route when it's it's superheroes. It should be fun. I found I found uh, the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises were guilty of that at times. Yeah, it's just like just be fun. It's like first of all they were super long for no reason. I really like Batman Begins. Yeah, that's a good film. Yeah. But like they got super dark and like kind of just dreary and serious, too serious, serious for their own good. They took themselves seriously, and I don't know. I I I can see your point. I like a bit of um, a bit of light. But moving on, Gary. Back back to what I'm recommending is the 1989 Tim Burton Michael Keaton Batman film, which is it, it is darker than the films that came after it, particularly the the Schumacher films, which are which turned the camp up to like 32 way off the scale but but it's uh, i watched this film to death when i was a kid because we had it on that we recorded it off the tv which is that stealing i always wondered that is stealing and when, when you have a tape and you record it off the tv and you, you watch it over and over is that stealing is that, that is that the equivalent of piracy the laws were looser back then i think it's like for home use is fine but distribution was the thing yeah i never distributed it i just watched it to death i have a friend that can quote the dialogue word for word yeah but I, I, I thought Jack Nicholson was better than Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yeah. I thought it was the the most fittingly Tim Burton-y Tim Burton film. Yeah. He didn't go too far down the Tim Burton-y Tim Burton-ness. Didn't go too far down the rabbit hole. Get it? Because he has another Alice in Wonderland film Which coming he, out. He Tim Burton to death. You see, that that's a Tim Burton film where there's way too much Tim Burton. Dial it back, Tim, Tim Burton. I was yeah. going to say Tim Norton. <laughs> it's Edward Norton is Hulk. He's Hulk. Yes, he was Hulk until he got ousted. Um, but yeah, this this is my kind of jam for Batman, where it's kind of dark, but in a playful kind of fun way, and and just enjoyable. And Mike, Michael Keaton is a great Batman. He is, and a lot of people at the time, since he was known mostly for comedic roles, thought that he would be like a joke or he wouldn't be suitable. But he kind of did the right balance of that kind of realism and and 
uh, grit, but he also had the humour. And that's yeah. what makes a good Batman for me. And the Batmobiles back in those days were much cooler. They were cool. I don't like these stupid, like, realistic tank ones. The tumblers ones, yeah. And it says, I don't want a realistic looking Batmobile. I want a Batmobile that looks really, really cool. Those were pieces of art in some ways. Yeah. My final pick this week, Gar, is Dimitri Martin, live at the time, in brackets. <laughs> that, that's like, that's a typical name of a thing for him, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Basically, his opening joke is in the title of the of the, the special. It's a one hour comedy special on Netflix uh, by comedian Dimitri Martin, who specializes in palindromes, kind of offbeat humor. Uh, I, I want to say smart humor, but that songs. might turn people away. It's not smart humor, but he just... Uh, he very much uses his wits and his his intellect to kind of craft jokes that are well rounded. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, he kind of meanders his way through a range of topics without without kind of a script as such. He doesn't ever seem like he's kind of performing a set. He just kind of seems like he's kind of working through his thoughts. Yeah, uh, as they come to him at random because like he doesn't have. Like, a lot of comedians will have a kind of a narrative or a story to their set, but his does tend to kind of go wherever he feels like uh, in his, his typical deadpan style. Uh, he shares his thoughts on everything from simple tools to the positive connotation of the word folks uh, with some karate-related bragging thrown in for good measure. I don't know any karate. Uh, by the time he gets to making an especially bad, uneducated guess, even the, the title cards admit... They don't know where he's going with this, but again, that's part of his charm. Yeah. So like he's like sometimes he's like he's like it's kind of it's fun to watch where, where comedians create in the moment where like they don't know exactly know where they're going, but they kind of find the humor in it in the end. So um, it's an experience watching him because it it feels more authentic and more spontaneous than other comedians. I bought you a book of his for Christmas once. You did, and a DVD. Yeah, I'm, oh, such, I'm such a nice brother. One of our favourite shows, Sneaky Netflix, Important Things by Dimitri Martin, available online to buy on DVD. It's a very good sketch comedy show. It's like a uh, stand-up slash sketch show slash music show slash talk show. Yeah. It's a um, lot of things. Modern sketch shows really, no. But yeah. the, the, he, he did well. He did. Uh, so that's Dimitri Martin, live at the time on Netflix. Netflix are getting big into comedy now, aren't they? They are. They're kind of commissioning a lot of uh, comedy specials. They're like, and Comedy Central apparently are none too pleased about it. Yeah. Well, if they want it, pay up. That's their kind of domain. I'm afraid our Netflix uh, well has just run dry with that last pick. We will try our best to find another source in time for next week. If you check out any of our suggestions, we are curious to know what you think as always. Let us know on Twitter at TWSKK and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. We would love to hear your thoughts. We're going to take a quick break again and we will be right back with a look at season nine of Doctor Who. Stick around. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You're listening to the Weekend Show with myself, Garrett Kidney, and my co-host, Ken. I let you say it for once. Are you happy now? Yeah, I'm a co-host. I'm still your co-host. You're a co-host. I'm a lead, lead, lead host. Whatever you want, buddy. Sure. Last night we saw the climax to one of the most thrilling, chilling, and eventful series of Doctor Who since the show returned in 2005. This week, as a companion to our preview in episode 13, we review season nine of the long-running sci-fi series. So much to talk about, but before we do, this review will contain spoilers upon spoilers upon spoilers. That we're reviewing a series of a television show. 
Go watch it. It's amazing. Go watch it. So you, you have, have been warned. You have been warned. Spoilers from henceforth. Yep. So just a quick look back on the series, Garrett. What are your main impressions from the season that has been well, Doctor Who season 9? The, the main kind of distinguishing feature of this season was that it was predominantly two-part episodes. Yes. There was only one standalone episode and there was one kind of three-part story. Yeah, which was the finale. Yeah. Uh, which they, they've had views kind of a, a three-part finale in the past a good effect so it was a good move uh it's not a three-part finale like the stories are linked leading up to the finale which is different from like the continuation of the same story so there are three separate stories as such yeah they're kind of three standalone episodes but they're all influenced by the events that happened in the, the episode prior leading towards the climax like in the the third from last episode clara dies in the second from last episode he is dealing with that grief, and then in the last episode, he brings her back to life. And tries his best to break the laws of time to keep her alive. As is the way of Doctor Who, no one really dies. No, uh, he's not good at endings, as uh, the 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 lady from the Sisterhood of the Karen pointed out. Yeah, so what do we think of the finale? We'll start, with the, we'll start at the end, like any reasonable people. Time travel, Gar. Yeah. Because it's all backwards, we don't know where we are. We're going to start with the end. Um, I think it was fitting the finale. Um... A lot of, I saw a lot of commentary that they kind of sacrificed the grand for the intimate and which the I would prefer personal. Uh, I like I like big a big uh, big you know set pieces. I like big reveals, big stories. But at the same time, like the Doctor is not really about that, is he? He's no. about the relationships with his companions. Because they kind of did a bit of a bait and switch. They okay. use they use this big Gallifrey backdrop. For a very intimate kind of few scenes between Clara and the Doctor. They made it seem like Gallifrey was integral to the story, but it was a backdrop. Like, it was a means to an end. Um, which some could complain that, you know, when you're bringing back Gallifrey, is that the right, right way to do it? Oh yeah, spoilers, Gallifrey's back. Yeah. Uh, we, like, we had mentioned in our preview that we had expected Gallifrey to come back in the series. Uh, partially because, you know, back, all the way back in 2013... They started this journey to Gallifrey, and I think they couldn't have really delayed it much longer. Yeah, but I think I think the smart way of handling Gallifrey from now on is having it be a part of the series, yeah, and a part that affects the series, but it's not what the series is about. Yeah, exactly. Like you might go there once in a blue moon, hopefully not once every season, because like like most things, I I I resent the fact that they feel like they have to have the Daleks every season. And Cybermen every season. Thankfully, we, we pretty much had no Cybermen. We had a Cybermen cameo or two. Yeah. But there were no proper... There wasn't like a Cyberman episode this year. But I would argue that the the, the, the finale did have a, a, a certain sense of scale to it because the, the scenes on Gallifrey did seem pretty vast and epic. It did seem kind yeah. of big in scale. Uh, and they went for... Uh, and... The, maybe it's just because they went from the very small and intimate and very very personal in the penult- penultimate episode with having just the doctor in his own personal prison maybe anything after that's going to seem vast yeah but they made a they did a good job of making Gallifrey seem like a big deal but not having it overshadowed the, the main story of the finale which was the swan song for doctor and clara yeah, Clara's gone. The hybrid, or at least as they suggested, because this this is something that they'll probably bring up again. Yeah, because because they basically they didn't really resolve it. They kind of just said they it said could be this. it could, could be a shielder, which I thought that was a really good swerve, because yeah. at the end of uh, Heaven Sent, 
he, he the, the final line is that he turns towards the camera and says the the hybrid is me uh, yeah. And the implication is me is in uh, Peter Capaldi's doctor. Yeah. Whereas it's actually me is in Ashilda's character. But why? What? What sense would that make in terms of the overall story? Why? Which? Why is she the hybrid? Well, who knows? That's the thing. Yeah. And they don't resolve that, and then it's like, or is it the doctor and Clara as as a combination, the human and doctor? They 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 drop the hint that he's human again, Ken. Yeah, but they kind of brush past it quickly after that. They yeah. Like, oh. Are we going there? No, we're not. Yep. But we might in the future. I still like that as an idea because as as Ashilda says during that episode, it's like, why do you always go to, back to Earth so often? There is the vast... He, he can go to anywhere in space and time, and but he constantly goes back to Earth with his Earth companion. So in a lot of ways, it did a, lot, a great job of tying up loose ends and resolving stories, but it also left enough for the, to propel the series forward uh, with new things like, is he half-human? Had we resolved the the hybrid, what role will Galfrey play, play in the future? What role will Clara and Ashilda yeah. play in their, their diner TARDIS playing across yeah. the universe? Basically, she graduates from students to doctor. She's, yeah. a, she's a doctor of his own. She has her own. She has, even has her own TARDIS, her own companion. So she's off to fly. Uh, I, I liked how they kind of reversed the, the, the ending of the Doctor and Donna. Yeah. Where instead of the Donna, Donna forgot about the Doctor, he erased Donna's memories. This time, the Doctor forgot about Clara. So just a quick recap. Clara dies and the Doctor is so driven by trying to get her back that he breaks all his own rules. So we're seeing the Doctor do a lot of things that he never does. Break the laws of time, fire a gun, which he never ever does. Yeah, they basically hokey nonsense her back to life. Yeah. Basically, uh, the Time Lords have this machine called the Extraction Chamber where you can pluck someone from their time stream uh, and speak to them and have, have them. So right at the moment of her death, uh, between her second last heartbeat and her last heartbeat, the Doctor plucks her out, claiming that she has knowledge about the hybrid. Mm. But then he, he just wants to save her. Then he springs her. Uh, so now Clara is uh, not alive, not dead. But uh, I think it's, it's kind of... Uh, an interesting approach because like for all intents and purposes he has still killed her off yeah but he, but, kn- he knows she's alive but in the most grand and light way possible because she's uh, basically she takes her own TARDIS goes off with a shielder uh, to explore the universe so basically she says she'll go back to Gallifrey and go back into the into her timeline and face the death that is an inevitable fact and, and happening in the universe <laughs> it's a fixed period of time but, I believe they call it yeah but uh, in true Doctor fashion, she'll take the long way around. Yeah, she'll, she'll take her TARDIS and she'll then go around the, the universe. Good good finale, Gar. But one of the things I wanted to mention was I wasn't too enthused about the return of this monster, but I think they really handled the return of the Zygons magnificently. Especially that the speech about war, it's a 10-minute monologue, basically, by Peter Capaldi, and it is the best thing the show has done in a very, very long time. I think that was the moment his doctor arrived for me. Yeah, that that's his moment. You know, when you think back on Peter Capaldi as a doctor, it is that 10-minute monologue that you'll come back to most often. Like, you could say in the Doctor's first season, like, you know, you're kind of in a scenario where you're you're still hung up on the last doctor so you're trying to forget about him and you're still getting used to this new doctor so uh, I always find the second season of a doctor is inherently better mm. because you've kind of cast off the kind of thoughts of the last doctor you don't think about the last doctor anymore you you accept this doctor as the new doctor plus he's better than Matt Smith but so you can easily put Matt Smith in the back of your mind throughout this season he's coming to his own in the role kind of stamped his 
his his authority on it and found his identity as a doctor found his his kind of uh unique uh, character but also uh this i think this one moment really encapsulate what his doctor is all about what all the previous doctors have been about and for me a, a doctor is good when he's different but he also embodies little pieces of the ones that came before yeah and he, he really rounded out his performance this year because he, he was the old grumpy curmudgeon last year that was pretty much all he was yeah or is, whereas this year they really it's like him and clara are, are a very dangerous alliance so basically that was the idea of them being the hybrid that they're so alike that they push each other to catastrophic levels which they, they really did do a good job of hinting at that throughout the season that that these two really aren't good for one another yeah and that it was going to lead to some some kind of disaster or one of them was not going to make it but going back to the finale quickly uh i really think that uh the fact that they kind of turned it on its head where clara kind of went from the student to the master i I waited the doctor in some ways and uh instead of the doctor being the one in the know and the one who had the plan or the one who kind of resolved it it's actually the companion that does it yeah but the doctor does know he met clara in that bar or that that thing because he saw the the portrait thingy that Rigsy posted on the TARDIS. Yeah. So he knows who she is. Yeah, but he's kind of accepted that he has to leave yes, her. Yes, he has to leave her. Because she's not good for her. But the, the Zygons, for me, uh, the element of them being sh- shapeshifters was interesting, but they, they didn't really do much with it in their last appearance. But Yeah, they were very much a, a supplementary part of the Day of the Doctor. The ethical implications and the, the timely questions about, you know, Basically, they're classed as refugees uh, in the, the two-parter that they uh, starred in. It was really interesting. Uh, they were made to seem complex uh, as well as, you know, scary monsters. And I think it was probably one of the best two-parters of the series, I think. Yeah, and that's high praise considering the quality of the series. There was also Maisie Williams' character, Ken. Yeah, a lot of people theorized about her being a character from the, the show's lore or, or past uh, we kind of re- I I do remember in our preview we rejected that premise. Yeah. Uh, we kind of we kind of more or less settled on the fact that, you know, you know there will be all this talk, but she will be a new character, which turned out to be true in the end. She was a, an immortal human, which was a ver- I think that was a fascinating idea, because she had all the limitations of being human. She just happened to be immortal. Yeah. So every single time you met her, she was actually a different character. At the doctor's uh, at the doctor's hand, so she's a creation of the doctor. So she has this kind of relationship with the doctor where he, uh, where she admires him and she loves him for what he's done for her, but she also hates him because she's seen everyone she loves die. Yeah, and she has no uh, value on life anymore. Yeah, because she, she's, she's like the time lords are super smart. They have a capacity for very long memory, but whereas she is now what two thousand years old or whatever, however far she gets through this show, technically she's she's in her billions toward the end of it. Yeah, yeah, but and um she has the memory of a human so give or take 80 years so she writes diaries because she forgets things yeah uh, in the span of a lifetime which I, I think that's a fascinating approach to a character that you know the story of and you know why they are who they are but every time you meet them they're a different person based on the most recent experiences speaking of the death of clara Garrett, it's it's quite rare that they actually straight off straight up kill off a companion well they kind of killed her off well, she's like, now in a flux of kind of death, but she's heading towards back towards her death, basically. Yeah. Um, which is the doctor 
in previous times has run from his own death as well so yeah. he's like her in some ways but uh, do you think bringing her back in the last episode it was the right, the right move or would you have left her well, the, the, the idea the, the, the thought process is that it would have been cheap to bring her back yeah. But in fairness, the doctor suffered an awful lot to bring her back. Yeah. He punched the wall for two billion years or whatever. Yeah, four billion years. Was it four billion years? He punched a diamond wall to death in order to bring Clara back to life. I think he kind of earned it. He did kind of earn it, and it didn't seem contrived. It it like the circumstances could be described as contrived. Okay, it's hokey nonsense. In but the scheme of this of this of their their story, it made sense. You weren't like, <sighs> and and. At least at the end, they didn't go. Well, she's alive again. Yep. You know, she's she is still going to die, but they kind of <laughs> she can face her death on her own terms. On her, on her own terms, and they didn't kind of uh, go to think of like, oh, we undid it. Yep. You know, we will see her again. I'd imagine though. At some stage, she's probably going to try and forge a career for herself. A lot of post Doctor Who companions try to capitalize on the popularity, especially in the US. But uh, we'll see her down the line. I would imagine. Very rarely kill off. Um, one the first companion they ever straight killed off was Adric. He was a young boy who became orphaned by one of the Doctor's adventures. One of his dad got killed off, so the Doctor took him took him under his wing. He was like a young prodigy, mathematics genius, and there was this code to to, to decode a bomb, and he was trying to figure it out. Uh, to he save got it the wrong. Day. No, he just ran out of time and blew up. Oh, uh, his last line is, "Oh no, I'll never know what it is." Oh God. <laughs> so yeah, um, the, in the. In, there were no strangers to killing off temporary companions in the new series. He kills off an awful lot of those. There. Well, yeah, the, the the one and dones are like disposable. You're gone. The Who's most... going to be the new companion, Ken? Gar- the most no. Gar- before we got to that. Okay. We're we're we've got all the time in the world. We don't. But <laughs> uh, Astrid Peth, who was played by Kylie Minogue on Christmas, the Christmas episode uh, uh, in 2007, uh, she got killed off in the in the in the, the in the span of the episode. Not many people remember. Uh, one companion that actually gets killed off is River Song. Does she? Oh, she dies in her first episode. She dies in the very first meeting with the Doctor. I forgot about that. Yeah, they, they live their life in reverse. Um, who's going to be the new companion? A lot of people are saying it might be River Song. I, I'm not... I, I think that's just the Christmas episode. Yeah. Because she, she is the companion in the Christmas episode. That is very clear from like the, the 30 seconds of footage they've revealed for it. Oh, certainly. Well, there's no one else that can be the companion, really. Yeah. I think we're going to see a new companion... I would like to see more than one, and I would like to see one of them be male. Just uh, I, I'd like to see it just be Rigsy. Just, just I want a male companion just to get rid of the sexual tension angle that they've been playing because there's been a female companion nonstop since the series was rebooted. Yeah, fair enough. There was Amy and Rory, but even then, even though Amy was in love with Rory, they still teased the sexual tension for a while. Or some kind of weird father daughter relationship. Yeah, which is the reason I think I'd like to get rid of that for just a little while. Uh, yeah. Um, even for one season, maybe as a bridge, a stopgap. Uh, so. A Martha. I, I actually hadn't thought about that, but Rigsy is actually not a bad, uh, not a bad bet. Is there anyone else in the Doctor's past, recent past you think could fit the bill? Um. Well, there, there, Maisie Williams. You would think maybe for a season, but I don't think she'd have the time. I suppose, but Doctor. But Who then again, are, she did like six episodes this yeah, year. So Doctor Who and Game of Thrones are kind of shows that have both have short runs. So. Yeah. There are limited commitments in some ways. Because, like, when you saw her, she was going to be a guest star this year. You were yeah, like, you I know. Okay. she'd be in one episode. But she, she was flat out in four? Four episodes, yeah. Four. And she played a feature role in three of them. Fair enough, she was in the, the, the finale for a relatively short amount of time. But she played a feature role in the first three. She did. And her first two episodes were tremendous. 
she she she's a, a fantastic actor and a lot yeah. of people give her a lot of credit you know like some people um uh, don't like kind of recognize her acting chops as much because like game of thrones is well you know it, it doesn't require really yeah, you, you just level. have to do a fancy english accent and say the very good dialogue and yeah. <laughs> that's half the battle yeah, but I'm not saying there's not very good performances on that show because there are, but she had a lot of subtle nuances and she changed the character with each iteration. So yeah, a lot of props to her. The woman who lived in particular, which is uh, the first episode where the Doctor meets her for the first time after he made her immortal, yes, is a, a fascinating episode. Well, so we'd like to see her in future, perhaps. And she she she's a very good addition to the show. I think uh, I might have said uh, I might have plumped for Osgood, but with with the two parter. Uh, Zygon story I think that that ship has sailed they, they kind of ruled that one out they yeah. made her more important than that uh, really um, I'm trying to think of anyone else from the recent Doctor past before we kind of move on Strax and company uh, yeah not really no I've seen enough of them I don't, I don't mind when they come back now and again but I wouldn't want to see them every episode but like, the only person I can think of as you said is Rigsy he's like kind of a ready making companion what about the little girl in the school is she too young she's too young I think so I think so yeah, because I, I especially Doctor Who has gotten slightly darker in recent years, a, a little heavier, you know, a little weightier. There's not uh, like actually, I really like the Christmas episode because it just looks like a fun romp. We'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, they moved away from the fun rompiness and more towards kind of weightier stories at the moment. What if what if they timey wimey and they go forward in time where she's a bit older? That's fine. They could timey wimey it. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. But they did that with Amy, so it would have been. Yeah. But they've gone back to the well a few times. And they, stuff, so. they they went the well, back to the well with the the freaking companion disappearing this time. They just kind of reversed it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, just to wrap up the series, we uh, a couple more points. Uh, best episode for you, Gar? Oh, do heaven sent. Yeah, uh, I would have to agree. Yeah, the woman who lived is a very good episode. The yeah. the witch is familiar is a very good episode. But the, the there's main... only one dud. Like th- there's only one done. Like uh, speaking of worst episode, we both are going to agree on this. It's, as it's well. sleep no more. Sleep no more. Um, a slight tweet. Like they're basically monsters made out of the dust in the corner of your eye. When Which you... is stupid. But if they were humans that turned into dust monsters from not sleeping, I'd be okay. And using this machine, that would have made sense. It would even still then, be even then. It was a bit dull. It just felt like Doctor Who by the numbers. Yeah, you know, they, they didn't feel like any kind of neat ideas or anything interesting. There, it was just like here's an episode base under siege, monster done, running around, <laughs> and they did a better base siege. Yeah, because they episode. did two of them. Yeah, there was under the lake and what was it? what was the name? Yeah, before the flood, which was a two parter, which was fantastic, which is a very good base under siege episode. And then this one just seemed inferior in, in comparison. So, uh, and. Like uh, you would have had reservations going into uh, uh, Heaven Sent because it was basically a one-hander. It was I dropped my pen. <laughs> I was making, I'm making points with my hands. That's what's happening. Uh, it's it's basically a a one-hander with the Doctor. Uh, Clara features it in, in kind of a dreams. A she has dream one sequences. line. And uh, there's a monster in it who doesn't speak. Called the Veil. And there's a kid at the very end. But all there, it's basically... It's, it's, it's 99% Peter Capaldi. Monologuing, which is glorious. Yep. Um, the twists and turns. It, it uh, revealed itself uh, gradually to the point where uh, you couldn't, it kept you guessing right up until the end. I was actually gripping my seat with sus- uh, suspense. Like The, the, the tension was just, was just like was just uh, hair raising it's just i think about as perfect episode as doctor who can get and a, f- a forerunner for one of the best since the series has come back in 2005 yeah it's up there with blink and those kind of episodes that uh, as like 
classic, almost perfect episodes of Doctor Who. Uh, just a quick look forward to the future of the series, Gary. What do you think we can expect for series 10? Well, we get a new companion, which is always fun. Yeah. Which means I, 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 st- I still never quite like when the Doctor is working with an old companion. Well, they did a good job of establishing like uh, Peter Capaldi and Clara's relationship. Mm-hmm. She, she's still Matt Smith's companion. Yeah. You know, and then she's supported over. So it's interesting to see the Doctor with a fresh companion. I see what you mean from that yeah. point. That's in, their companion. In the same way that Rose was Peter, uh, uh, Peter Eccleston. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. It's like, why do I keep forgetting Christopher Eccleston's name on this show? He only did one season. Yeah. Uh, Rose, I more associate with Christopher Eccleston. Amy and Rory are, are Matt Smiths. But then, so is Clara. They, they need their own. The, co- the, the, the Doctor introduces the companion to the universe. You know? Yeah, that that's the approach. Even like it, it's kind of Martha for David Tennant. Yeah, and it's always interesting to see when they transition from one Doctor to another. The kind of confusion and the the hurt and the the the, the who reje- the hell are you? Almost the rejection of it, but yeah, having to go with it. So um, I think that we're going to. I I I I would go on a limb and say we're not going to see Gallifrey too much in the next season. No, I think it it'll be a, a one or two episode plot. Yeah. Which is what it should be, you know. They should be uneasy allies and kind of villains at this stage. I'm not really sure. I can't really speculate because we've done a lot. We've come a lot. We've come full circle, really, with this episode and with this Doctor or second season. So I couldn't speculate as to. The, normally, it's something bringing something back from the, the lore, which is uh, the main arc. Um, although I wouldn't mind seeing a season of Doctor Who, which is just a series of stories. That's what this one kind of was. Yeah. Until the three-part finale, the the idea of the hybrid, while it was a reoccurring theme, it wasn't the focus of the episodes that yeah. it, it was mentioned in. But like, uh, actually, going back to that, that was really smartly done, wasn't it? Yeah, they just kind of dropped it in there, here and there. Yeah, they dropped the idea of hybrids in a few times throughout the season, and then it's like it's the big thing at the end. And then uh, the confession dial is also brilliant. Yeah, because I assumed when they said the term, "This is my confession dial," it was a little video thing where he, he confessed something. Yeah, but it's actually his little torture chamber designed to get him and him alone to confess the things. Brilliant! What a brilliant little idea. And like. Uh... Basically, the confession dial is 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 something that um, may come back in the future. It's not. I don't think it's something that's resolved either. Yeah, and the hybrid is also something that's it's it's probably going to come up in the future as well. They have hinted, you know, when he went back to the place, the barn where he had the moment and he was going to end everything, or we did end everything and then decided to undo doing undoing it or everything. Hawking on to the back to life. Um, they kind of hinted more of his backstory. It seems to kind of indicate that he's an orphan of some kind. Yeah. Um, I think they might go into that. I don't think they'll go into it too much. I think they, they have to, like. Yeah. You know, this is this character is over 50 years old. But... You've got to start exploring it. Like, you can't yeah. just say, oh, you can't... Like, the, the old the old series can't be untouchable. Yeah. And the, like, I think we've almost resolved that I'm running away story. He's not yeah. running away anymore. He's gone home. So... I, it only took 50 years. Yeah, 50, 50 years. Uh, but like the main allure of the series has always been who is the Doctor. So I don't think we'll ever quite go there. And if they, they do... To, they have to go there eventually, Ken. The yeah. show's 50 years old. But like it's something that he's teased, but I don't think you want to go there because it is the big one. Yeah. Like, who is the Doctor, really? And uh, What is his name? What, who is his family? Where has he come from? So I think if you were going to go there, it would have to be if you were going to end the series for good. Actually... 
What I found very interesting was when Peter Capaldi's doctor returned to Gallifrey, which was the first time they really saw him. Yeah. They all recognized them. Yeah. I wonder how that works. I think like the, like uh, the lady who was the 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 person who ran the the, the Baron of Sword. The Baron or seems to be an orphanage, even though it's a, a shack. Yeah. But uh, she looked at him in his eyes and she knew it was him. So I'm guessing yeah. you can see it in his eyes. By the way, Ken, also. Uh, women regenerations. It was it was technically canon by Missy, but yeah. we've seen it now. Yeah. It's official. Yeah. It is the above reproach. I saw a review that says that he continues to kind of toy with that story. Uh, Stephen Moffat, that is yeah. that kind of idea, knowing full well that he probably won't be the person to make that decision. Yep, he's just opened the door for whoever does it after him. To, to if they want to make the decision for the doctor to be one. I I guess when Capaldi goes, Moffat goes with him. Yeah, exactly. So he's had he's had. Two, they, uh, he's had kind of two cycles then, you know. Um, I don't think you should... I, I, I personally would be disappointed if they chose a woman for the sake of being PC. Yeah. And for the sake of... Just for the sake of it. If the a woman is the right person, I would be completely... In, in the same way, Missy... Who plays Missy? Uh, Michelle Gomez. Yeah, is tremendous. Yes. She's the right person for the Master. I have no problem with the Master suddenly being a woman. Because she's amazing. But not... For the sake of it, not for... Tokenism. Tokenism, exactly. If they find a woman who is the right person and the right person to be the first female doctor, I am all for it, but not just... If they, if they specifically go out saying, we're picking a woman this time, I do have a bit of a problem with that. Exactly. Just to, to appease certain sections of society. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go away over time, but uh, quick look forward to the... Because we've got one episode left, guy. We've got one little nugget of Doctor Who left, and then we have nothing for eight months. Yep, we have nine Christmas. months. These last twelve weeks or so have flown. Haven't they almost fly, and then you're eight, nine months without Doctor Who. Uh, Alex Kingston returns as River Song to be the Doctor's companion in the Christmas special. That's the the, the whole point of the episode. Uh, just a quick synopsis: It's Christmas Day on a remote human colony, and the Doctor is hiding from Christmas carols and comedy antlers. Uh, I'm guessing since he lost his best friend, he's not in the mood to celebrate he's Christmas. Probably, he was fairly sad at the end of last year as well. Christmas seems a sad time for him. Exactly. But when a crashed spaceship calls upon the Doctor for help, he finds himself recruited into Riversong, uh, my Riversong squad, and hurled into a fast, frantic chase across the galaxy. Uh, King Hydroflax, played by Greg Davies of In Betweeners fame. Yeah, and stand-up comedy. Uh, Very is, tall man. Is furious, and his gi- giant robot bodyguard is out of control. And coming for them all, Will Nardole, uh, played by Matt Lucas, who's from Little Britain and uh, Alice in Wonderland, which we spoke about earlier. Will they all survive? We don't know. And when will Doctor, uh, when will River Song work out who the Doctor is? Because um, as we've noticed in, in the, the previous series, series of Doctor Who, every time the Doctor sees River Song, he recognises her more, but she recognises him less. Yeah. So she doesn't actually know who he is at this point. Well, she does, wasn't she? No, she actually, the, the, the actual, one of the main plot lines in the Christmas special spoilers would be that she doesn't know who it is, the Doctor. Oh, so this is her first meeting with Peter Capaldi? Yeah. But is it her first meeting with the Doctor? Okay, all will be revealed on a starliner full of galactic supervillains and a destination the Doctor has been avoiding for a very long time. Great plug. Thanks, thank me later, BBC. Yeah, pay us money. Uh... <laughs> Alex Kingston said, to be honest, I did not know whether River would ever return to the show, but here she is, back with the Doctor for the Christmas special. Uh, and she described Stephen Moffat is on glittering form. In fairness, the trailer makes it look like he's in, in, in full flight. He's going full romp. I like that, because this yeah. season has been kind of heavy and weighty, as I said. 
But the Christmas episode looks like it's just full romp through time and space. He's given an episode filled with humour, great surprise guest casting. There is a precedent for good guest casting. And I think uh, Greg Davies and Matt Lucas are, are two good ones. Uh, so I think that um, we're going we're gonna to have a fun time. Not necessarily anything re- too much in the term of, of revelations in terms of the canon or the next series. I think it's That's kind of, not what the Christmas episode is usually for. Is exactly. It? It's a kind of a standalone. With the, uh, with the exception of Matt Smith's regeneration, the, the Christmas period for Doctor Who is always just like, here's a fun Christmassy story. Let's get, let's move on. <laughs> After this, it's not going to do, it's not going to be mentioned again. Um, Alex Kingston added that, that she uh, met Peter Capaldi for the first time at a table read and they had a laugh so they seemed to be kind of getting on the chemistry and she's exci- she was excited to work with him. It's and, called the Husbands of River Song this time, isn't it? Yeah, so there is uh, an indication that uh, the many husbands of River Song will be playing a part, which the the Doctor is one of them. Yes, she is. He is. He he married her in a, in a previous series, but she doesn't know that her, it's her husband. Yeah. So that's a very weird. I wonder. I, I do wonder. Is is Peter Capaldi her Doctor? Yeah. Because she does have a first one. Yeah. Is it Peter Capaldi? He always says like Matt. She didn't recognize Matt Smith straight away. She always said like You're not my my Doctor. Yeah, uh, and obviously David Tennant was the one she died in the hands of. Which what so that wasn't him either because that was the last time she yeah. saw him. So we just don't know, but we will find out sooner or later. Although a lot of people thought she was gone forever, so maybe we never we never would have resolved that. Well, I like I like these like uh, like uh, Captain Jack needs to come back at one stage as well. I do like these these side characters that make reoccurring appearances. So uh, we could talk on Edgar. Yeah, we, we really could. <laughs> we could do a whole other series of podcasts on this, but we have to wrap it up. So what are your thoughts on series nine of Doctor Who? What surprises do you think the Christmas special will bring? And what do you think is in store for season 10? Let us know on Twitter at TWSKK or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. We want to hear from you. We will be right back to wrap up the show with details on next week's episode. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download every Sunday at soundcloud.com slash the weekend show. Okay, Time Lord enthusiasts, if you're out there listening, thank you for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can find a new episode every Sunday on soundcloud.com forward slash The Weekend Show, and we also now reside on the iTunes. Speaking of which, why not write us a review? If you do, we will take you on a trip through space and time in our TARDIS. The podcast is a TARDIS, Ken. The podcast is a TARDIS. It's a trip through space and time. Disclaimer, we may or may not have a TARDIS. If you're feeling nostalgic and would like to go back in time, you can catch our best bits on YouTube. Just search TWSKK. As always, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK or you can look us up on Twitter. Where can they find us, Gareth? At TWSKK. Next week, we talk the most anticipated festive video game releases. Our theme music is by the Doctor Who villain, Mr. Draft. And until next time, say goodbye, girl. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody.